Has your love and affection for your spouse been growing over time? Or have there been roadblocks that you've set up in the relationship that are deadening your romance? That's what we'll be looking at on this episode of Married by Design. The purpose of the Married by Design podcast is to encourage couples to enjoy all that God has for them in their marriage relationship. Welcome to Married by Design. We've been looking at the importance of romance in the marriage relationship. Much beyond what Hollywood would dictate to us as far as what love is, the Bible has far more to say about it. God created the marriage relationship to be many things, not the least of which is companionship and love that the husband and wife should have for each other. Included in that is romantic expressions of love and appreciation for each other. We've seen a number of verses in the Bible that support this idea that marriage should be a lot more than just getting along and doing life together. There should be an intimacy and joy in that relationship. We looked in Proverbs chapter 5 at the way that Solomon encouraged individuals in marriage to enjoy their spouse. Solomon wrote in verse 18, Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. He goes on in verse 19 to say that the husband should be intoxicated always in his bride's love. We also looked at Song of Solomon 4, 9. You captivated my heart, my sister, my bride. You've captivated my heart with one glance of your eyes. Those verses and more encourage us to cherish our spouse and enjoy them as God's gift. And we've begun to look at the roadblocks to romance in the marriage relationship. And we have been focusing on 1 Corinthians 13 at Paul's description of love. If you fail to act in a loving way toward your spouse, you will be set up for frustration and you will kill any romance that could be developing. We want to continue looking at those elements of love. The first expression of love that we'll look at this week is that love does not insist on its own way in verse 5. Both the husband and the wife are called to not be in the, mar- in the relationship for what they get out of it. How deadening is selfishness to the romance in a marriage? This is how a lot of the conflict flares up. When one or both want it their way and insist on it, and they persist in pushing what they want, it can put out the romance quicker than turning off a light switch. That selfishness will drive you further from God's intention for affection and love in the marriage. When one spouse is always wanting it their way, and not just wanting it their own way, but insisting on it, they can get so wrapped up in what they want or expect that it crowds out the love and care for their spouse. Our own happiness and impact in our marriage relates to being a servant and a giver. We are called to give preference to one another. Paul calls us to count the other more significant than yourself. He says in Philippians 2, Let each of you look not to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. There's a beauty and a freedom in living for your spouse and loving them so much that you're eager to not only listen to their desires, but to want to fulfill them. Not only that, but a spouse that has a selfless, yielding attitude is infinitely more attractive and desirable than a pushy, self-centered one that demands their rights and desires. We are called to give up our rights and our preferences. 
Christ is the example of that in Philippians 2. Christ certainly did not insist on his own way. All through the Gospels, right up to the cross, we see an example of the Son of God not doing what he wanted to do, but doing what his Father wanted him to do and what was best for mankind. He expressed love so clearly and beautifully by being selfless to the point of dying on the cross. It says in Philippians, He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. He gave up everything for us. And that's the pattern we need to follow in the way that we love our spouse. Giving up our own way, our own desires and wants, our own expectations. When we choose to sacrificially love our spouse, it honors God and sets the stage for greater romance. But let's go on. Paul then says that love is not irritable or resentful. Get ready for that. These are two major killers of romance in your relationship. Everyone gets irritable sometimes, and since marriage partners live together, we are most likely to be on the receiving end of our spouse's ire after a trying day. It makes me think again of that saying, familiarity breeds contempt. It should not be true if we are obedient to Christ, for a husband is not cherishing and nourishing his wife as he is called to if he finds her irritating. The husband's love for his wife should not depend on her changing. She does not need to change in order for him to love her. He should be loving her despite her flaws and not responding by being resentful or irritable. The husband's love for his wife is supposed to reflect the love of Christ for the church. Now, it seems reasonable to me that we, who are the bride of Christ, would be truly irritating to a holy God. But God doesn't choose to get irritated with with us. It says in Ephesians 5.27 that he will present us without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that we might be holy and without blemish. So, husbands, you are called to likewise take the high road in your thinking and view your wife through his eyes, overlooking the flaws and seeing her as God's gift to you, washed by the blood of Christ and destined for beauty. And wives, before you think we're getting off the hook here, we are also called to have a respectful and high view of our husbands. God has given him the position of head of the home, and that position is worthy of respect solely because it is God-given. To say he has to earn it goes against God's commands, and respect doesn't coexist with irritation. And let's also deal with the other big excuse we use for being irritable, hormones. I know how difficult it is when hormones are fouling up our lives, but this still is not an excuse for being irritable with your husband or your children. The tiredness and pain are irritating, but don't take it out on those you're called to love. Don't be irritable with them. Take the Advil, take a nap. Put duct tape over your mouth, but don't act like it's your husband's fault that you feel terrible. Why don't you keep a list of his admirable traits and wonderful things he's done that you can bring out at this time to keep going over so that those negative thoughts don't take a hold of your heart. And as we said, it says that love is not irritable. This is more than just not being short or snide, but irritable by definition is being able to be irritated. Love is not able to be irritated by the object of its love. It means you don't find your spouse irritating, and that has to do with attitude and perspective. So much of what we talk about in loving our spouse has to do with what we choose to think. 
controlling our thoughts, and banishing unworthy ones. That's why our spouse's traits that we once found endearing are now an irritation because the way I look at them has changed. 1 Corinthians also says that love is not resentful. That can be a very great challenge to love your spouse in that way. We all do things that are wrong and make mistakes. Sometimes your spouse does them on purpose. We've, we've looked at the idea of confession and forgiveness, um, and when we looked at resolving conflict, it's important for the husband and wife to resolve the issues that they have with each other in a biblical way, and it ends in granting forgiveness. That is essential for a healthy relationship and a prerequisite to romance and marriage. If the husband and wife are resentful of something that the other has done, that will kill any romance in the relationship. Yes, those things either need to be overlooked or forgiven and let go of. In Proverbs, it says that it's one's glory to overlook an offense. It means that a lot of times there are things that are done by your spouse that you just need to overlook and let go rather than live in resentment. Certainly, if you forgive your spouse, you are committed to not think about the offense anymore, and that will prevent you from being resentful towards them. Either way, you cannot harbor resentment and bitterness in your heart. You are commanded against it in Ephesians chapter 4. Again, in verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. If you are living with resentment toward your spouse, you need to deal with that in your heart and let go of those offenses. You cannot enjoy, enjoy an intimate relationship with your spouse if you are resentful towards them. And let's look at one more this week. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth at the end of verse 6. For the marriage relationship to be healthy, it has to be based on the truth of God's word. And having it based on the truth of God's word means that his truth needs to be practiced in the lives of the husband and wife. God has given us his precious word to guide us and to show how the husband and wife are supposed to act. It's only when we follow God's righteous laws that we really enjoy the marriage relationship the way that God intended. If one or both in the marriage relationship are disregarding God's word and practicing unrighteousness, it will kill the godly pure romance that God intends. It is true that the husband and wife need to live both by the word. They need to be practicing it and encouraging each other to follow God's ways. That's what it means to rejoice in the truth. To rejoice with the truth means to find joy and satisfaction by living according to God's standards. That also means that we don't rejoice at wrongdoing. If we want our marriage and romance to grow, we cannot find joy in what God says is wrong. We, need, we should not tolerate that in ourselves, and there, it may become necessary to address it in your spouse's life. So let's get specific in some areas that we need to rejoice in the truth and not rejoice in unrighteousness. Swearing can be a big issue in marriage, uncontrolled anger and outbursts, gossip, drunkenness, bitterness, or a critical spirit toward others can sometimes um, be something that a husband and wife tolerate or even feed on together. To rejoice in righteousness involves finding joy in praying together, discussing the word, and working in ministry together to help others. Your choices as husband and wife to rejoice in one or the other will affect your marriage relationship and the romance. 
Yeah, that's right. You know, the rejoicing in unrighteousness sounds like a virus on a computer that starts out small but spreads and corrupts everything. If you tolerate sin and rejoice in unrighteousness, that sin will have its consequences of corrupting the marriage relationship and killing any chance of romance. If you or your spouse are struggling and seeing in your lives that you're not rejoicing with the truth, you need to find encouragement through biblical counseling and discipleship at your church. As you are encouraged and taught to follow the Lord and His Word, you will see your marriage relationship strengthened. And now for your homework. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, um, is to just choose one of these areas that we looked at this week in 1 Corinthians 13. I'm sure you're listening to this because you want to see your marriage blossom in the romantic intimacy that God intends. In order to do that, you have to come face to face with your lack of love for your spouse. That means evaluating where you have come up short and confessing that to your spouse and asking their forgiveness. You have to turn the corner in these areas and begin to actually love them. As you do, you may see that your love for your spouse increases. Well, let me pray. Father, we just pray for every couple listening to this, Lord, that as they get into your word, that they would love each other more and more, and they would see the fruit of that in their romance towards each other. God, if there's areas where they're struggling, that you would reveal them and give them the faith and trust in you that you will work those things out in their lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that's it for this week's episode. Next week, we'll look at the last part of 1 Corinthians 13 and the last of the roadblocks to romance. We encourage you to rate our podcast, and would you take just a moment to share this podcast with somebody right now? And We'd love to hear from you. Our email address is marriedbydesign01 at gmail.com. We're looking for input as to future series that we should cover to encourage couples in the relationship. Well, we look forward to being with you next week on our next episode of Married by Design. 